So let's get into our message this morning. Um, so we're on a series titled Turn Us Again, and I'd like to read um, out of Psalm 80, just the first three verses, and it comes out of the New King James Version, and it says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Like Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Isn't that an awesome message? You know, this is such a great series with so much, such great messages, and I'm really trusting this morning with the leading of the Holy Spirit that you would catch the heart of, of today's message as well. So since we, since we started with this series, I really had time to reflect in my personal journey as a believer just three areas, to be simple, plain and simple. The first one is where I started with my walk in Christ. The second one, where I am in my journey right now. And the third one is where I want to be or trust in God to be. Well, to get back to the first point, where I started my walk in Christ, God never had a day off. He was busy every, every single day. And I'm not proud of it. But thank God for His grace and His mercy that he always came through, that he believed in me. And what a privilege and amazing opportunity it is for me to be here this morning in your homes, preaching the word and uh, just proclaiming the goodness and God's faithfulness. Amen. And then the third and last one is where I want to be and trusting to be in the future, really. I was thinking long and hard. But to give you, and I don't want to sound corny this morning, but just to be honest with you, I think for me to be as close to God as I can, every day, every night, every single moment. Where God wants to lead me, that's fine, no matter. I'll go there. But that's the only thing that really matters for me, is to be in His presence. Amen. But as I was thinking about my past, the present, and the future, there's one thing that God reminded me, and I want to say it to you, and I want to proclaim this to you this morning. You know what? God came through for me every time. And if there's anything I want you to remember from this message, I want you to tie this as a knot in your heart. God will always come through for you, no matter what. You see, in Galatians 5.25, it says, walk in the Spirit. You know, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us. But how can we do it? How can we walk in the Spirit? And it, really, it sounds just so easy. But we are constantly facing battles. And the fact is, although we are looking forward to spending eternity in heaven, we live in a fallen world right here. We still have to, some work to do here in this beautiful country that we have. We still have work to do here on the south coast we live in. So Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 out of the New King James says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall." He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, there were so many times in my life, in my past and future, where I am in the present and probably in the future as well, where we will, are going to fall. But we shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholds us with his hand. So how can we march in the Spirit this morning? How can we move as the body of Christ from one battle to the next, arriving prepared and ready for the next battle, and to take on the enemy. I'm sure as you are listening right now, 
your thoughts are probably going in a thousand ways. You know, I can do this. I can start being a part of this. I can um, start doing this, and then I can do that. Okay, but what if this doesn't work out? What if that isn't happening? And suddenly in a moment, we start to worry. We start to stress. So before I go further into that message, I just want to clear up two misconceptions we have. You know, the first one is many people think that after you've been born again, all your problems should be solved, just like this. You will march in the Spirit, and you never will have another trial in your life. Well, unfortunately, that's not the way it is. It's after you've been born again, after you've come to Christ, after you repented from your sins, after you received His forgiveness and been filled with the Spirit, you learn to walk in victory through the Spirit. I want to say it again. You learn how to walk in victory. It doesn't come just like that. Problems and troubles won't disappear just because you became a spiritful Christian. We're still in a fallen world. The second one, and I just chose these two. There's probably a lot more, but these two were on my heart this morning. The second one is walking in victory with the Holy Spirit is only for elite, super spiritual people. And really, that's not the case. That's not true at all. Walking in the Spirit, walking as part of the body of Christ with the warrior mentality, if I can say it like that, to take on the enemy is for every believer that you and me included. God intends for everyone to live in victory and to walk in the Spirit. But how is it done? So my main scripture this morning, and we're probably going to concentrate basically on this one, comes out of Philippians 4 from verse 6 and 7, also out of the New King James. And it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts, minds, through Christ Jesus. Amen. So it says here, be anxious for nothing. Best translated in today's term, don't worry about anything. Don't stress about anything. So Paul was writing this letter to the church of Philippi saying, listen, don't live your lives daily full of worry. Full of stress. He was saying to the church, make a decision not to dwell on your problems. Don't live in that state of worry the whole time. That doesn't mean that we won't have any problems. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You see, the world is full of problems, and in today's high-pressure society, no one is exempt from worry. No one is exempt from, from stress. So the first thing that I really want you to do, and please consider this, is make a conscious decision that you will not dwell on the problems around you. They are there, but we are making a conscious decision to walk in the Spirit victoriously this morning. We are so used to worrying that most of us doesn't even notice that it's eating away and creating a void in our lives. Just a few examples of worrying. The first one is, it steals your precious time with your loved ones. Usually when I'm around, uh, usually when I'm stressed or worried, I'm really not the best person to be around with. The second one is, 
it steals your precious time. Because it's like a bad hobby. You can do it for hours, and the only thing is there's no results to show for it. You can't really say, wow, I had a few hours of good worrying, and I feel so much better right now. No, you can't. And here's the last one. It's probably for me the most important one. It steals precious time you could have had with God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that we should do in facing a problem is to pull ourselves up and say, I will not worry about this. You see, you have the privilege and the authority to determine your response in a real problem. You have the ability to determine what your next step of action will be rather than to focus the whole time on worrying about the situation. I want to say it like this. You need to recognize your worry response as likely the first attack from the enemy. That will be your first blow from him. And once you are determined that you will not consume your time and energy in dealing with this situation, you are in a perfect position to take the next step. So we as God's children need to be trained to move through the place of panic to the place of action. You know, soldiers are trained how to react when they face or come in contact with the enemy. And we too need to train ourselves how we're going to react in a situation. We must confront worry for what it is. It's a trick of the enemy. Let me tell you this. It delays us. It saps all your spiritual energy. It stalls all our efforts. And worst of all, it immobilizes God's children. So choosing not to be anxious doesn't mean that we put our minds into neutral and do nothing about it. You see, when the Apostle Paul told us what not to do, he also told us what we are to do instead. It says here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in short, instead of worrying, start praying. To me, prayer means asking God for help. It's recognizing him as my source. And supplication means to really get down to business. In supplication, we say, Lord, I've got to have an answer. Lord, I've got to have a solution, and I've got to have your will on this matter right now. The kind of prayer God hears is a prayer of faith. That's a prayer that says, Lord, I believe in you. It's a prayer of faith that says, I believe you knew about the situation even before it came my way. In fact, one of the biblical names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who sees and provides. So we find this name in the account of Abraham's attempted sacrifice of Isaac in obedience to God's commands. You can read at home, it's in Genesis 22 from verses 1 to 19. And the Lord was truly the one who saw everything. He saw Abraham going up the mountain with his son Isaac. He saw the wood they carried. He saw the emotional turmoil going inside of Abraham as he obeyed. If there was ever a reason For Abraham to worry, he certainly had one that day. But instead of him going up that mountain, saying to him, but instead of going, but instead, sorry, instead we find him going up that mountain, saying to himself, God, Jehovah Jireh will provide a sacrifice. And he believed that if, if it was God's will for Isaac to die, then God would raise him from the dead. You see, Abraham had that kind of faith 
that saw God as the one who re- would renew life in resurrection. In Hebrews 11, verse 18 and 19, it says, Of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. So here's the th- this, this thing. Abraham didn't worry about the situation. He was too busy walking up that mountain. He was too busy believing that God had the situation under control. And meanwhile, as Abraham and Isaac was walking up the mountain, a little ram was getting itself into position under God's direction. This animal was heading straight for one particular thorn bush where he would be entangled in exactly the right time, exactly the right place to solve Abraham's problem. You see, you might be facing a need right now, church. But let me assure you, God is the one who sees, and at the same time, he sees the solution for your needs. Amen. He is the Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees and provides. Just as you are climbing up that mountain in your dilemma and struggle, he's already preparing that ram to solve your problem. You know, many people sometimes ask me, how should we pray then? How can we pray? You know, because of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And when we repent and turn around from our mistakes, we can really start moving forward. You know, we can clear our heads of all the clutter and start to be ready and excited to hear God's voice. So you can start praying the prayer of faith that Jesus will deliver you. You can pray that the fullness of the Holy Spirit will be operating in you and that you will know His love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, uh, goodness, self-control, gentleness, mercy. You can pray that the Holy Spirit will be your counselor and, and comforter. You can pray boldly for total health in body, mind, your spirit, relationships, your finances. You can pray for wholeness of life. Listen to what uh, 3 John 2 says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Because of Jesus, I can pray to be the head and not the tail, that he will supply all my needs and cause me to possess the land he wants me to have. Because of Jesus, we can be more than conquerors and no success in this life. So I can pray that Jesus will rule and reign over my life, over any negative circumstances in my life, and extend his kingdom to cover that territory, and I can claim it. You see, Jesus has already died for all of this. The work has already been done. So the victory won't come by anything I do in my own efforts. It will come by what I allow Jesus to do in the situation, by what I allow Jesus to be in my circumstances, what I allow Jesus to live out through me in the midst of a problem. Here's the thing, church. Many things we simply just don't know. I can't know in my finite mind the full will of God. So it is at this point that I should ask for wisdom of God. And I can only say, God, I don't know what to do. But you said in James 1 verse 5, listen to what it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, thank you Jesus, and it will be given to him. You see, as you start praying, God will drop 
faith in your spirit. Where your faith is weak, he will drop an answer into your heart. Can you see how impossible it is to experience faith if your, if you, your heart are in a state of worry? You have to get out of worry for you to experience faith. You have to put a stop to the one before you can receive the other. Can you see how impossible it is to hear God speak his answer into your heart if you are trying to figure things out on your own in your state of worry? You must get yourself quiet before the Lord and be in, just in an attitude of prayer before so you can hear God, you can hear his voice, understand his will for you in the midst of your circumstances. So as we carry on in verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I want to say to you this morning, all of heaven gets to work on your problem the moment you start praising. You see, praise is our language of faith. Praise is is your way of saying, I acknowledge you, God, as a victor of my circumstance, that you are my Lord, you are my healer, you are my Savior and my deliverer, you are my comfort and my counselor this morning. Praise is focusing on the outcome of the situation. It's believing and saying that in your faith, God is winning. Let's move on, and what does the Word of God promise will happen when you stop worrying and you start praising and voice your thanksgiving to God? It says in verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, deep abiding peace is the hallmark of walking in the Spirit. Psalm 23, 2 says, He leads me beside the still waters. I want to Tell you, show me a man or a woman who's walking through life circumstances with great peace, and I'll show you a person who's walking in a victory of the Spirit. I'm talking about true, deep, abiding peace this morning. Jesus said to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. God wants you to have peace this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe that peace is one of the most important benefits and greatest blessing God has given us. However, in the busyness and rushing around, we often feel anything but peaceful. But it doesn't need to be that way. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule your hearts. To rule here means to umpire your heart. So that means God tells you what is safe and what is out. Just consider for a moment what comes after a big battle and ultimately after a war. Ultimate peace. Have you made pursuing peace a priority? You know, God wants you to follow the Holy Spirit into the peace that's rightfully yours in Christ. Walking in victory of the Holy Spirit is knowing that there will be a battle, but you'll win because of Jesus who's inside of you. I was led to the story of Jehoshaphat, and please go and read it at home. It's in 2 Chronicles uh, 20. So Jehoshaphat found found his kingdom in great danger. He was invaded from three sides by 
three different forces of the enemy. But the Bible says Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. He didn't set himself to worry or set himself to stress. You know, he had a real problem and he knew it. Three alien armies were on his borders and there were nowhere escape for them. But Jehoshaphat made up his mind to seek the Lord. And in the face of such overwhelming problems, he prayed the covenant promises of God. Listen to what he prayed. He said, God, you gave us this land. This is our land, but it's ours only because you provided it for us and gave it to us. You are the ruler of this land, and now we are about to be overrun by the enemy. We could have destroyed these people when we came, first came to, into this area, but you told us not to do that. So notice what's Jehoshaphat's what Joseph had says to the Lord next. Lord, we don't know what to do. You know, that's not a bad place to be before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with coming to the Lord in an attitude of not knowing. But listen to what Joseph had did next. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You see, he didn't have the answer. Nothing has prepared him for a situation like he had. He couldn't rely on any past experiences. But nevertheless, Jehoshaphat knew someone who knew the answer. So he told, said to every man, woman, and child in Judah to come before the Lord. And they waited to see what God would do. So the answer was sent to the Lord and it came through to the prophet Jehazil. And please listen wisely to these words. And I almost want to proclaim a prophetic word over you and your families. As this prophet declared. He said, listen everyone to the, the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or dismayed. The battle isn't yours but God's. Go down to where they are tomorrow. But you don't need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand your ground. And see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. For the Lord will be with you. Don't be afraid, for the Lord will be with you. You know, Joseph had got an answer about what to do. And I've never see, seen it fail when you say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. If you keep telling God how bad your problems are, you'll never have an answer from God because you'll never get around asking him that question. You'll be too busy reciting your circumstances. But if you come to God and pray the word of God back to him, God always responds to his word. So after Joseph had received God's word, he bowed his head to the ground and all the people fell before the Lord, worshipping him. Church, they started their praise service that morning. The Bible says in verse 19, they stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with loud and high voices. These people were screaming and proclaiming God's goodness and faithfulness before the victory. So even with those three great armies camped all around them, these people were, were happy. I want to say to you this morning, a happy Christian is a dangerous Christian for the enemy because he can't touch you. So what happened next? The next morning, Joseph had gathered all his people together and he said, listen, everybody, Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. And then he gathered the choir together and told them, You will march on the enemy, 
but with no man-made weapons of warfare. You will lead the way with spiritual weapons of warfare. You will march declaring the high praises of God and singing praises to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So the Bible says, when they began to sing and to praise, the enemy became so confused that they began killing one another. It says in verse 23, the enemy started helping to kill each other. It doesn't make sense, but they started to kill each other. Or they helped to destroy one another, sorry. At the end of it, it took Jehoshaphat and his people three days to gather up all the spoils. They, they found in abundance precious, rich, uh, precious jewels, so many riches. In fact, it was so much, it was almost too, too many for them to carry away. They had prospered in the face of an enemy assault. God can turn what the enemy uses for evil into something good for his children. So perhaps you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Ben, this is a great word, but I really can't associate myself with Jehoshaphat's situation because here's the thing, he was in the will of God and forces beyond his control came against him. My problems are self-induced. I'm not facing three foreign armies. I've made mistakes and created my own mess. Well, if that's the case, I'm glad you're here and watching this morning. It's found in a story of the prophet named Jonah. So God told Jonah to go preach at Nineveh. Well, Nineveh wasn't the best place to go to. Nineveh was a corrupted city. It had an evil king. It was huge. It had a population of over 120,000 people. And this was, to say it at best, a city with a bad reputation. But what did Jonah do when God told him to go? He started to worry. He started to stress. So instead of going to Nineveh, which God told him to, he went in the opposite direction. He went to Joppa. He bought a boat ticket fare to Tarsus. So Jonah went in the opposite direction God told him to. He fled from the presence of the Lord. And that's, that's first class disobedience. Anytime you sin or are disobedient to God, in a sense, you are fleeing out of his presence. So as a boat sailed, you all know the story. As a boat sailed, a great wind arose, and there was a big storm. And Jonah was below deck asleep when the captain woke him up and he said, Call on your God that we might be saved. You see, when you are not in the will of God, you will always be alone. You'll always be tired. You always want to go to sleep because you are worried. You are stressed. You have no authority over that situation you are currently in. Here's the thing. Jonah could have prayed. If he was in the will of God, he could have prayed for the storm to stop. But he could do nothing about it. When you feel powerless, here's the thing. You want to throw yourself overboard and abandon ship. And I want to say to you, it's in... The moments you walk in your own strength, that when you're making mistakes, when you feel most vulnerable because you think that God doesn't want to hear from you, it's in a moment like this when we can surrender and just be a child of God again. Losing yourself and redirecting your confidence to a living king. So eventually the crew casted lots and it fell on Jonah. So, at the end of the day, you will have to face the consequences 
with or without God. So how could the storm be uh, calmed? They had to throw Jonah overboard, so, and which they did. They didn't want to, but they had to. And it reads that God, Jehovah Jireh, sent a great fish to swallow Jonah up. And Jonah were in the fish belly for three days and three nights. I believe something really powerful happened in Jonah's life during those three days and nights in the fish's belly. Firstly, he was doomed to die when the crew threw him overboard into that storm. Jonah believed he deserved to die because of his disobedience. That was his only way out for him out of that situation. But God didn't allow that. God wanted him to live. He was in a very gross place in the belly of a whale. Can you imagine that? But do you think at some stage he might have thought, sure, why am I here? I should have died. Is this a coincidence? Luck, maybe? What are the odds, what are the chances of being swallowed up by a fish at the right time, the right place, somewhere in the ocean? Or maybe, can this be God? Do you think he might have thought that? Do you think he might have thought, God, I've turned my back on you. Why didn't you turn your back on me? You have every reason to. Have you ever felt like that? But listen how Jonah prayed in Jonah 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, Lord. I want to say to you this morning, no matter how deep or where you are in a situation, your prayer and praises always reaches heaven. And in the darkest of times, Jonah received that amazing peace of God. You know, Luke one seventy nine says, To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And at the end of the day, this is what matters most people. That we receive God's peace. That surpasses all understanding. That's what Jesus gave us. His peace. God's season will always provide an outcome. So during this time in the fish, Jonah decided to get his mind off the problem. And what did he do? Jonah chose to act of, and on his will, not to worry, but he started praying and praising God. So what happened next? It says the fish got a sour stomach and vomited Jonah out. I want to say to you this morning, your problems will also get sick of you when you start praying God's blessings and His covenant promises in the midst of your circumstances rather than to worry about them. Then like Jonah, you will find your feet on dry land again. If you feel that you have caused the problems that surround you, the circumstances can still change with Jesus. Don't worry about them. Pray about them. Repent of your disobedience and turn your entire life back to God. Accept Jesus. Start praying for His covenant promises we have in Jesus. Begin to praise God in the very midst of your circumstances. And I believe that you too will see the salvation and deliverance of the Lord. 
Family, God will always come through to you. Amen. Let's bow our heads as we just close in prayer. My Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we can look to you, Lord. That we can seek you, Lord, and that we will find you. Father, I thank you for every person that's online here this morning. I pray that, Lord, whatever they are laying at your feet, whatever they're not knowing, Lord, that you will give them an answer. Lord, I pray for your protection. Your word says that no weapon formed against me and my house will prosper. Lord, your word says there where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them, Lord. I pray for your richest blessings. I, I pray that your, their spiritual eyes will be open and see the amazing armies of angels that surround them during their situations. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength not to give up, but they will rely on you. I thank you for the victory that we have and we can receive by the blood of Jesus, by his ultimate sacrifice. Maybe you're standing here this morning and you've never received Jesus in your heart. Maybe, well, situations and circumstances pushed you away from God. Maybe you think, well, today is the day I want to get back into my life with Jesus. I want to accept him. You know, it's in a simple prayer out of Romans 10 that says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If that's you today, this, I would love to pray for you. Just a simple prayer. Let's pray. It says, Father God, I come to you just as I am. I believe in my heart that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross of Calvary, and that you raised him from the dead so I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my heart right now as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that I can be called your son. If you prayed that prayer this morning, please give us, send us a WhatsApp or an email. We'd love to get in contact with you. Praise the Lord. He's good. And uh, I'm excited for your new future walking in Christ. And may God prosper your feet where you go. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Be blessed, and please come and join us. There's such an amazing anointing when uh, the church gets together. Um, God loves you. Look after yourself. Take care. Bye.